Yeah, go ahead and get that out, man. I'm ready. Let's go. No power rings, get, nothing. Get the crud out. <laughs> Everybody cough. <laughs> Even if you don't have to. It's a posterity cough. Yeah. Sympathy cough, I got it. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to another episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast, or should I say This Is My Vodka Podcast, if you followed us on uh, <laughs> April Fool's Day, yes. which uh, people freaked out about, and it was a lot of fun to see everybody's <laughs> minds just melt. Anyway, I'm Perry. Shaken, not stirred. Yes. <laughs> I'm your host. <laughs> Thank you guys for being back here for another week. It's April. It's almost a month away from Kentucky Derby. Curtis and Swan are sitting here with me. Guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks. How's it going? <laughs> yeah. I always laugh after you guys say thank you because it's like neither of you know whether or not you're supposed to talk first. And so you just give us like, hey. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> well, not only is it April, this is also the last week before our very first live show, The Women of Bourbon at the Silver Dollar Club in Louisville, Kentucky. And I can officially say that we sold out. Nice. We sold out. All 50 tickets sold out. I am super stoked about that. So unfortunately, unless there's a huge last minute push, there are going to be no more tickets available to those of you who did purchase tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so excited to see you guys on Saturday and on Friday night at Kuvion for our meetup, which is going to be crazy fun. There's going to be, I know that there are a few of you all who have already said you're going to be there, but if you can make that, let me know at my bourbon pod um, over on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter so that we can make sure to get you in on the numbers. There's kind of limited space, and I wanted to make sure that I give them the right amount of people who are going to be there. But anyway, that's enough for business. I'm ready to drink some bourbon, and we're doing that right now with Flying Blind. Blind. Yes. I've been so heavy in like the turkey and Jim Beam territory lately. This is kind of throwing me off because it's not in that realm. No, at all. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I I'm can like, confirm it's it's neither of those things. It's so light. It really is. And I want just a little more on that nose, you know. But the palate's got a lot more to it than the nose does. Oh yeah. I'll you guys getting like almost like a coffee? Mm-hmm. For sure. But it's a. Uh, it's like coffee and raisins. Getting some raisins on there. Yeah, it's the sweetness Dude. of the raisins yeah, yeah. that you're getting. Yeah, for sure. I'm not usually a coffee fan, but I like this. You're saying you haven't yesterday you hadn't had coffee in like ten years or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it kind of sticks out every time I have it. I just I don't know. Oh, by the way, um Swan and I were on Chad and Sarah's live stream this week too, over on uh, youtube.com slash it's bourbon night. So if you wanna check that out and see Chad drop a bottle of pre fire heaven hill. Oh, Which he no. definitely did do. Not did it even break. Gonna, no, just the cap. Oh well. <laughs> but At least there's that. Still, we had to. Do you imagine if bottle. it broke though? Oh. Man, let's he, not. He did say, and this is something I've never done too. That he's never broken a bottle before. Hmm. I've never had. I've never have either. Yeah. Which I is mean, I haven't either. Nice. Knock on whatever I can find. Yeah. Wood. Something. Working yeah. in a liquor store, I think I got everyone covered. 
Broken plenty. <laughs> you know what? This is really. I've I I have had this, not fairly recently, but somewhat recently. I'll say, this is a lot better than I remember giving it credit for. And I know that I'm talking like you guys know what it is, but yeah, you know, no, this is really, really pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. Um, the palette's like, it's not overly complex, you know, it's, but there's quite a few, uh, notes that I, I really like, like yeah. the coffee and the raisins. Uh, but the, the finish is where I'm kind of like, ah, there's really not a ton there, but John- it's still really drinkable. Yeah. The finish is awfully light. But I think that the palette more than makes up for the, you know, mm-hmm. just the overall quality of it. It's kind of got like a almost honeyish mouthfeel to it, which is weird because it doesn't feel like it's super high proof. And that's usually something I kind of get from like the uncut, full, you know, like barrel proof stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty interesting. But it def- yeah, it definitely doesn't taste like it would be full proof. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I could get in trouble drinking this. Yeah. I mean, it just goes down like water, really. Mm-hmm. It's a solid bourbon. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Now, what are like we drinking? Well, this is Maker's 46. Oh, okay. Which was yeah, kind of yeah. my, my introduction into finished products, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight on this week's episode. So, you know, it's regular Maker's Mark, finished in French oak staves. Really, it's it, it's a pretty solid product. I don't have too many bad things to say about it honestly other than the finish nose is a little bit light but i think that at the end of it it's really just it's solid as for somebody that doesn't reach for makers hardly ever i like that yeah. a lot yeah so that's kind of impressive because the past few times i've had makers every time i leave and i'm like i'm glad i didn't get a full bottle <laughs> I think yeah gonna... and i guess to be a little more specific was it Makers or Makers Forty Six? Because I guess that's a little bit of it. Just just the regular standard offering of yeah. Makers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last bottle I had of Forty Six. I think I finished pretty quick. Like yeah. I I enjoyed it a lot, but it was also when I was still blending it with Coke on occasion, sure. and putting ice mm-hmm. in and stuff. So because that's what I've noticed is I've the standard offering of Makers. I'm always just like ah, you know I. I'll, I'll go for something different but the mm-hmm. makers 46 always has a it kicks it up a notch like the, if i'm getting makers i'm gonna go for that you know what's funny about makers too is that it really does seem like the the more steps that you take up in price mm-hmm. the, really the better the quality of the product like it's not always that case mm-hmm. like sometimes it's kind of hit or miss but i think that in this instance everything is priced appropriately in terms of quality Mm-hmm. Makers at the bottom, the private selects being at the top. Yeah, um, I think Makers Cask is really good, really delicious. There have been some phenomenal private selects as well. It's really cool that you know they're not all going to be completely different, but you know the fact that there is something new to offer from bottle to bottle, barrel to barrel, mm-hmm. is really cool to me. So, I like that they have a very concise like product lineup. Yeah, yeah. But, all right, this is going to be the third week in a row that we've talked about this, which is really funny. But it seems to be the hot topic that's on our, on our brains right now. And it makes me think, is there something that's about to happen? But anyway, <laughs> so we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago about how we would love to see makers put out like a 10-year-old product. 
Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. And how we would all just jump all over it. Would you guys buy that? I'd be more tempted to buy it, but somebody taking that route before has not really worked. Like, I know when Bullets lineup has the 10-year, I still typically grab the standard offering because of the price, or I grab the cast strength because it's the cast strength. I mean, it's just good. Mm -hmm. So that 10-year kind of gets lost on me a little bit. Um, But it's also a weeded. Like, I I can't really think of anything other than, like, Weller 12 and maybe, like, the old Fitz, Bottled and Bond, and the... Rebel Yell ten year that it's like an age stated mm. weeder. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of them. Mm. So I mean, I might be more tempted to grab it just because of that. But that's about it. Okay, Curtis agrees. Yeah, he I gave mean, the I... slight head <laughs> nod. But then the other half of that question was: you go on vacation, you go to the hotel bar, and they've got three bourbons there. Three, three of the big ones: Knob Creek, Woodford Reserve, Maker's Mark. What are you picking? Knob Creek. I'm picking that. Yeah. Probably Knob Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Just the other two just don't, they're fine. They're good. Yeah. They just don't do it for me in the way that Knob Creek does. Mm -hmm. I think I just enjoy the punch of Knob Creek so much more than the others. The other two are like mellow. They're kind of like a good introductory for people. And at this point, it's not that I'm above the introductory stuff. It's just I enjoy the almost punchier stuff because even though it's not cast strength, it's giving me more of that kind of cast strength feel. Yeah. Sure. So I tend to lean towards that. It has been interesting that my palate has developed into more of, I want more of the barrel influence and yeah, uh, like darker notes. Oh yeah, than oh, yeah. than some of the others. We but, we, I I've noticed that a lot myself recently too. Is that not that I was you know really looking for a lighter flavor profile, mm-hmm. but it's just I've leaned more towards barrel heavy interesting flavors you know just just more to it than just the sweetness and yeah caramel exactly and, mm-hmm. and i i think i even recently said too you know i am i love weller special reserve it's a very good bourbon but i'm past the point of being like gotta get it mm-hmm. gotta find another bottle of it hey that's probably because i have enough of it right now <laughs> like i don't i'm not wanting for it but at the same time i don't feel that like Oh, they've got Weller on the shelf or behind the bar. Yeah. I will definitely get that. Anyway, that's it's just it's just kind of an aside. What we are here to talk about though is finished bourbons and some whiskeys. But before I do that, gotta ask you guys what you've been drinking recently. Absolutely nothing. Swan has nothing. Been, Swan has been dry as a bone. Wow. Yeah. We were sitting there yesterday in Chad's living room. Chad and Sarah's living room. Yeah. Just pouring up a storm. Swan had the absolute best self-restraint I've ever seen on Didn't a have anything. Not a drop Nothing. of bourbon. Wow. That's that good something? for you, man. Yeah, no kidding. That's nice. Yeah, no, it's been... Uh, it's not been great, I'm going to be honest. Like, there's, definitely, <laughs> there's definitely days where you go home. You know, you had that day at work, and you're like, I'm just going to have a drink when I get home. It's going to be fine. But uh, no, I've just been kind of adding in taking in less bourbon as part of my diet and then i have nights where i'm like all right we're gonna pour something special c918's making an appearance tonight it's you texted me that the other day and you said one peri pour of c918 and i'm done yeah it's like well that's hey dude 
more power more power to you yeah i think that's the only thing i've had since the last podcast was one one good size pour of uh of elijah craig barrel proof that was it that's pretty funny uh i have been having uh jim beam bonded still yeah yeah yes um yeah it's i really enjoyed it yeah um i mean i had the one that uh you gave me the rest of which swan gave me the rest of yeah that's this funny happens. that this yeah. happens all the time is like people yeah. are like hey take this and finish it and i'm like okay hey. somebody else take it and finish it too mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah that's what i've i've been having and then i actually just picked up another bottle um of jim bean bonded nice Very i cool. really i really really like jim bean bonded and when the six year was the first rumor was going around that it was going away i was like this is it this is a replacement and we tried all the heaven and hill bottled and bonds and i'm like these are all great but Jim Beam Bottle and Bond's got something special, and people yep. are overlooking it. Uh-huh. You got to go back to it, man. Maybe that could be our next secret, the next Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond secret. That yeah, we have. it's just a cheaper version of Knob Creek to me. It's, oh yeah, it's still that kind of like punchy, mm-hmm. hundred proof, good Jim Beam goodness. So it's I don't know, I love it. It's fun. We've had like, uh, I would say it started with Henry McKenna. And then it went to the Heaven Hill, and uh, now we're like Jim Beam bonded. Yeah, it's funny that we've just went. That's been like our staple kind of. Speaking of Henry McKenna bottled and bond, you heard about this? No. Won another award. Really? Yeah, same spirits competition that it did last year, but instead of winning best bourbon and show, it won best whiskey in the world. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so if you couldn't get it before, you're now not you get, definitely nobody's can't get getting it. it now. Gosh, yeah, it's been such a. Cr- it's been like two years. It, like, no, it's just it's not happening, man. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It went from like it's on it the anywhere. shelf everywhere. Yep. To oh man, it's going allocated, but you'll still be able to find it. To I've not seen it in six months. Like it's just insane. I see. Yeah. It, I see it from time to time. But I think what upsets me the most about it is when I go to, oh, I'm not going to name any names, but we'll say Liquor Barn, and they have it sitting on the counter, limit one. Yep. Limit one for Henry McKenna Bottled and Bond. We used to be able to get that in cases yeah. mm-hmm. for $30 a bottle, and now it's limit one at and Liquor Barn. sometimes the price so- jumped up. <laughs> yes, it did. But you know what? I, I am okay with it being a little bit more expensive. I don't mind paying $35, $36 yeah, I mean, for we, it. We got away with it. It was a steal when we were drinking. <laughs> yeah, because I made the mistake the other day. I walked in. I was like, it's on the shelf. This is nuts. They just announced it was like whiskey of the yeah. world and all this other stuff. And I, I go and I pick it up and I bring it up to the counter. And he was just like, oh, I've not changed the price tag on that yet. And I was just like, well, I can get it for the price on the shelf. He's like, no, it's 55 bucks. And what? I'm like, okay. I'm like, what? Okay, now I'm putting it back. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I understand. That is actually an appropriate price for that product. No, it's I, it, like it, not it, bad. It is mm-hmm. fully appropriate for that. But that's it's the principle. Yeah, it's the principle. It really is. <laughs> yeah. It's so frustrating. The principle that two years ago I could have gotten it. <laughs> Yeah. For $30. I mean, I'm seeing it going from like mid-shelf to all of a sudden it's behind the counter or on the top shelf. Man, that upsets yeah. me. But, you know, I I want to get mad, and I think it's just because I know I have to pay the extra money. It is worth it. Like, I mean, yeah. it's it's up there. I I don't blame it. I just wish that Heaven Hill was getting a bigger cut of that 
that you know increase in price instead of the stores getting it mm. oh yeah they deserve it for making such a good product yeah that's us just being like 20 year olds like yeah back in my day all the while like you got the 40 50 60 year olds 70 year olds and they're like yeah we used, my- be, we used to be able to get age stated wild turkey yeah <laughs> now what much i would love to get an age stated wild turkey 101 i would cry if i could just walk in and go oh eight oh, years old go. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Henry McKenna's gone from I could walk in and then decide, well, let's see if I can find the oldest barrel. To I walk in and I see one. I'm like, how much is that? See if I can just yeah. find one. Just to yeah. let me know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That was, our, that was our aside of uh, <laughs> ranting about Henry McKenna. Um, <laughs> I, just to wrap up what we've been drinking real quick, I did a really fun live stream collaboration last week with the Mash and Drum, Jason, where we got sent a sample flight from monica and brian and tammy and we did them blind and it was really cool the results i thought for sure that the number one that i picked was elijah craig barrel proof and it was not Mm. it was a whistle pig rye pick wow it tasted just like elijah craig barrel proof i was ready to lose my house over it i was so sure about it and I was wrong. <laughs> you were dead wrong, dead too. wrong. Yeah, like, not even adamant. close to it. Wow. Brian's like, oh, Perry's going to lose his mind when he finds out what this actually is. And I sure enough did. Yeah. At least it was good. Yeah. No, it was very, very good. Yeah, I yeah mean, they picked I, some really good diverse stuff for that yeah, lineup. Yeah, if you, uh, you want to go see the, uh, the results of that, youtube.com slash podcast. We can do that. And the first half of that is over on Jason's channel as well at the Mash and Drum. But anyway, let's pour something so we can get into this conversation. Yeah. So I noticed something, too. I said this to you guys before we started, that I have a bottle of Angel's Envy that I've had for probably three years at this point. Not once have I looked at it and realized it's a pick from Liquor Barn. Like, it's over halfway gone. And I haven't realized it until right this second. <laughs> and it frustrates me. But anyway. you talked about it multiple times. You're like, Angel's Envy is da-da-da-da. Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had this in a while. You know, we talk about from time to time whether or not we like Angel's Envy. It's fine. I will say Angel's Envy finished dry. That's a good one for well, me. Well, that is also on the table. I know. I'm and just saying. That will be. We'll have, we'll have that next. All right. Why don't we? Um, so, let's talk about finishing products. What, what, what is finishing? So, the basic idea of it, of course, if you don't know, is that you're taking the original bourbon or whiskey or rye or whatever, and you're removing it from its original barrel and then putting it in a new one that may have been used for wine for cognac we got a cognac one on the table which is really cool sherry and sometimes even like woodford will do they will barrel it in a another new bourbon barrel uh jim beam does the same thing too there's some other distilleries that do that as well but the big debate recently has been whether or not finished products are still what they originally were called so say it's a bourbon finished in sherry casks Mm -hmm. okay there's been a lot of debate over whether or not that's still bourbon because 
in the legislation and the law around bourbon. It says that all of the flavor comes from the grain and the what it's aged in, which mm-hmm. is that new charred oak bourbon barrels, and that is what legally makes it bourbon. And any other attempt at changing the flavor automatically disqualifies it from being bourbon. So my question to you guys is, is finished products, are finished products rather, still considered their base spirit when they come out of that second, third, fourth, however many barrels? That is such an interesting question. Isn't it? Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's something I've been like just wrestling with a lot recently too and just thinking about because it changes my whole understanding of the bourbon industry. Yeah, and what bourbon is. Yeah. I lean, this is just like knee-jerk reaction, but I lean towards it's not then. If it's stated that it, the... <laughs> Perry just made a very... Nope, nope, just I made a face. Made a face. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm going to go with it's not. Just based off the, the wording and the description of exactly what like the legal jargon yeah. of what it is. And that's that's how I've been leaning too. Is thinking no, it's it's not still bourbon. Now, I don't have any problem with a a, a distillery on their bottle saying Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey finished in whatever casks yes, or whatever barrels. That's what it was. Exactly. <laughs> it was bourbon that we finished. And I I think that if you're going to do that, it needs that caveat on the label to then still qualify for all of its quote-unquote legal qualifications. My point is that it just seems to go against what bourbon actually is. I, I would kind of agree with you guys. I don't think it's necessarily bourbon anymore, but I almost prefer them put Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey finished in blank than just say, this is just a whiskey Yeah. now. Um just because then you kind of get the descriptor of what it was beforehand, before it got finished. So, I mean, I, I like the way that it's worded now. I'm perfectly fine with it, because then at least I know that, oh, it's, say, for instance, like the Bell Mead that's sitting on the table. I know this was their, you know, their normal bourbon product they were using beforehand. They've uh-huh. just done something to it instead mm-hmm. of thinking, well, it's Bell Mead whiskey. Was it the bourbon they used before? Did they make a new mash bill specifically for this? Would they you know, put it in? Yeah. yeah. It's it's completely, you know, kind of messed up if you don't have Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey finished in blank. I think that what is important about what we're getting at, too, is that this is supposed to be something to help inform consumers. Making smarter buyers, smarter bourbon drinkers, too. Because, I mean, people aren't just doing what they used to do. They aren't just grabbing their handle of, shoot, Jim Beam, Cabin Still, whatever, off the Mm. shelf and going home. They want to know where that product came from, how it was made, you know, even down to where the grains come from before it was actually distilled. And I think that this is just finishing is just another point along the way where people want to know what's happened to it. And I think that the the less clarity that we're given, the less transparency that we're given in the bourbon industry, mm-hmm. the less people are going to want to be a part of it. And they're not going to have as much pride in it as they, they do right now. Because it's all just about honesty and the, the community and 
you know, we go on and on and on about it. Yeah. And when you have the information brought to you and you've learned it, it empowers you to like actually know what you want to, what, what you want to drink, what you like empowers your palate. Like, you know, what, what notes or what, you know, Hey, I like bourbon more than like finished stuff and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think the signifier of having that on there is perfect that, yes, I want to know that I'm drinking the bourbon, but it's also finished. Yeah. I think it's great for bourbon, like nerds too. I mean, if you think about it, like the more information on the bottle, the more likely I am to consider it special for whatever reason. Like if I, if I see which rickhouse it came out of, how long it was aged, the date it was put into the barrel, the date it came out, like a lot of people are putting more and more information. Bell Mead's doing it. Uh, Knob Creek just did their single barrels where they're putting more information on the actual labels. Uh-huh. I mean, it's the people that are really serious about bourbon and finding like something new and having an experience with their bourbon, they're, they're wanting the extra information. So the more information you can put on the bottle, the better. Agreed. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I just think that there's... It, it For me, if there's not the clarity in it, it needs to be there. That's just plain and simple. Yeah, it yeah. does need to be clear. Like, don't just put an entire, like, Word document attached to every single bottle. Just well, to yeah, sure. like, more I information. Want, yeah. I don't want fluff. You know, I don't want, like... This, this is was, the recipe that I found in my granddaddy's attic. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, he and his I just want to... it during World War II. That's all nice and good to yeah. have, like, a little bit of a story. But then... I'm, I would just want to know what happened. What, 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 how did we get to this point sure. within it? Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Well, we got through that uh, Angel's Envy pretty quickly. Do you want to try sure the did. Angel's Envy right now? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> Swan, have you had this before? Yeah, I've had it before. It's really good. Yeah, I haven't had it in, gosh, probably a it's year and a half. Yeah, I don't think it's been touched since we had it on that, like... Christmas episode? uh yeah did we have it for that episode i think we did i can't remember because i i always mention uh angel's envy finished rye yeah as a christmas bourbon because it just tastes like oh i'm sure we did and yeah now this is an interesting one this is a rye finished in rum barrels wow yeah i don't remember the nose being like that at all in terms of the well, it I'm it, it's funny because I think it's a product of me being a more informed drinker, but I'm actually finding the rye in there where before what I was finding was just like maple syrup. Yeah, but now I'm actually picking up on the rye notes, the actual grain itself. When I first started like getting into finished anything, I always kind of thought rye would not lend itself too well to finishing until i had this this kind of changed my mind on it a little bit i don't know if it's the rum specifically or if it's just rye kind of decent to finish with no i think it could very well be the the rum yeah but i mean who's to say i haven't had a whole lot of finished rye products i've not um, either i've not actually mm. seen a whole lot i mean i know there well, i don't think that there have been a whole lot period yeah. Yeah. wasn't there one from woodford too i can't remember was it finished i think so I can't remember. Woodford did a really expensive decanter style cognac finish, but I don't know if I've never seen it. Yeah. I think the rum definitely, inf- like, is 
caters well to the rye itself. It just has m- more of that spice. Wow, that is sweet. Holy crap, I haven't had that in a long time. That is way sweeter than I remember it being. Ooh. Goodness yep. gracious, that's that like a sugar sweet. bomb. I still stand by that it's a good Christmas bourbon. I think it's I think or, it's great for yeah Christmas rye. Yeah, Christmas. I rye, think sorry. it's great for Christmas. That doesn't bother me at all. But this is like you know those um those uh, sweet tarts lollipops. Yeah, the big chunky ones. Mm-hmm. This is what that tastes like now. Is it's just so much sugar. This is it's like somebody lot. at Angel's Envy said, "I want something that's sweet and spicy." Make it, and they just <laughs> came up with this. Because it still has that rye kick, just a little bit. It's not like overwhelming, but the sweetness is definitely there. It's for, it's forward with that. I will say, if ever there were an uh, an instance of me knowing that my palate has changed since I first started this show, this is an indicator for me. And it's not to say that I dislike this now. I just like it significantly less than I did when I first had it. It is aggressively sweet. <laughs> I think that's something that's interesting too with with finished products. Is that you you I mean it goes without saying, but you're gonna get something so off base from what you started out with. There's no way that this rye was overpoweringly sweet when it before it went into these these rum barrels. And the fact that it changes its overall profile that much, that blows me away. You know, and I kudos to all the people who are attempting all of these different finishes and mm-hmm. trying new things. You know, not everything's gonna work out the first time, the second time, you know, it's always kind of a crapshoot. So, you know, the fact that people are putting forth the effort to find out what's going to work, you know, I think that that's um, pretty cool. Man, it is super sweet. It's almost like a pre-made cocktail. Yeah. Boy, it does make me miss Christmas, though. I'll say that much. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) It makes me miss the holidays, man. I think the only time I would be like, yes, is... At Christmas time. Gosh, I bet it'd be really good in uh, in some eggnog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Christmas time, right before, like on Christmas Eve, you know, watching like this, like if you've ever watched the Christmas story, after uh, <laughs> they open all the presents and it's the uh, night after. Yeah. And they're like sitting, just watching the snowfall. Yeah. And, it's perfect uh, for it. Yeah, it's perfect for it. Yeah, it might also be nice. Like, I know when I eat something sweet and then I have something that's got a big sweet element to it to drink right after it, it yeah. kind of mellows that out a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. if you were pairing it with something, it would go really well. Other than just pairing it with Christmas, I mean, that's going to go well. But um, it's, I don't know. I definitely Here, wanted it at Christmas. Here's how much I can, here's how much I, I can I think that's smell. the conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's how much I can smell this, though. This glass is probably, what, like a foot and a half away from my face? Yeah. I can still smell it. It's ridiculous. It kind of... It is potent. Yeah. It kind of has, like... It really is like Christmas in a glass. Like, now I'm starting to smell, like, like chocolate-covered pretzels and, like, caramel popcorn. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. It, it, the, it happened the way that it did. 
but and like uh, gingerbread cookies, just Christmas. It's just Christmas. It really is, yeah. And I've always said that since I've tasted it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Where should we move to next? Do you want to do this Bell Mead or? Yeah, sure. You want to start with uh, this one? Which one's that? The cognac? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Why not? Now, I've never had. So, Swan, actually, I'm going to let you tell uh, how you came across these bottles. Yeah, so I went into a store and very top shelf, a guy said they'd been sitting there for a little while. Um, they had a three pack of Bell Mead finished. Uh, and it has a cognac finished, a Madeira finish, and a sherry finish. Um, I was really interested in trying the sherry up against the revival that came out this year because they're both old rose oh, yeah. Um But I wanted to also try the cognac, and it was kind of pricey. Oh, yeah. And the 375 of it and the, the pack was a lot cheaper, so thought it'd be a good way to try it. Do you like cognac? Not really. I mean, it's... Have you ever had it? Uh, just once. Yeah. It's fine. I could see it being kind of a... Um, I mean, if all the all the bourbon and the rye in the world suddenly just disappeared, mm. I could maybe replace it with cognac. I think maybe. I would go for rum. Oh, yeah. That's actually a, that's a good point. I don't know why I didn't think about it. See, I don't think I would go to rum. Perry's going to vodka, and he's going to have a podcast <laughs> yeah, for a podcast. <laughs> that was a great transition into that. Lucy thought that I was even, that, like, that was true. You totally got me. I got up early, and you sent it to us, and I was just like, <laughs> what the hell, Perry? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and so I looked at you... it, and it looked so official, and I was like, I really well, hope that's I don't the have thing. to. Like, I hope, I I hope to, he doesn't have to I had to, to make do it that. real. I had at to make it seem like, you know, I was really doing this. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, like Lucy is having like a spinoff of the podcast. <laughs> like that's what's going to happen. And then I was like, oh, duh. I just thought, maybe maybe. First. Yeah, I thought duh. he met somebody at Liquor Barn that was just like, let me invite you into the world of vodka. And then all of a sudden Perry's cheating on us with these nah. people from Liquor Barn. <laughs> yeah. Nah. I didn't know what was going on. Now you said if all the bourbon... And the what? Rye. Rye was gone? You would go to cognac? Maybe. No scotch? Uh, scotch just doesn't do it for me. Okay. But cognac does. I Irish did. whiskey I might be okay with. Nah, I, can I can't do, do Irish whiskey. Okay. I had Armagnac for the first time recently. That's pretty good. What about Japanese whiskey? Uh, maybe. I don't mind Japanese whiskey. Yeah, I like Japanese yeah. whiskey. It's very peaty, but... Yeah. But that's for another day. Like, yeah, this is yeah. totally... Yeah. <laughs> it's like the opposite of Desert Island bourbons. I'm getting an odd sweet note. I want to say like an apricot. Yeah. I I'm finding something kind of savory in there too. Mhm. And I'm like not super gravy? Gravy? I'm getting like a gravy. <laughs> I was thinking olive juice. Oh, okay. I'm not kidding. We were way off on that then. <laughs> yeah. We were not on the same brain on He's that. He's having one. like gin and tonics and all of the stuff, and you're having Denny's. Yeah. I'm having... What's the proof on that, Swan? Uh, I think they're all the exact same proof, and it. Let's see, ninety point four. Odd, but okay, fair enough. It's awfully sweet on the palate too. Mm-hmm. 
Not, not much on the finish. I don't think I like it. Not a huge fan. I'm, I'm, yeah. This, this one's a hard pass for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I tried it. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely interesting. Like, if you were just looking for something different. Yeah. And maybe if you were just a big cognac fan, this might be for you. But I... I mean, if this were... Oh, you know... One of the things that we always kind of say about finished bourbons, too, is that say you have a bourbon that's finished in Cabernet barrels, that, you know, allows you the opportunity to offer something to somebody who may not be a bourbon drinker. Maybe they like wine or, yeah, in this instance, cognac. Mm. This would be a really good way to kind of bridge the gap between the two of them and get them into something different. And, you know, eventually they might go to straight bourbon or bourbon and coke or whatever, but... This is not for me. <laughs> you know that scene? I'm in agreement. It's in, not. That scene in Parks and Rec where Tom has really been wanting to get into that gentleman's club. I say gentleman's club, but it's not a strip club. But like, and uh, 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 Leslie at the end of it, like, clears out a room for him and everything, gives him a smoking mm-hmm. jacket and a cigar and a glass of scotch, and he sits down. He takes a drink and he goes, <sighs> I do not like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about this. I do not like I this. I do not like this. Would you consider this to be a starter bourbon for somebody to like bridge the gap? It would be a starter bourbon From for somebody Cognac? very specific. This... I think this gives like too much of a a misconstrued yeah. notion of like, hey, you're trying I to get agree. into bourbon, try this. You know what I think about this? I think that this is something that you should have not in between your first steps of bourbon, but rather somewhere down the road when you've already... If I had had this maybe a year ago, I probably would have been off Bourbon's of not for me. Yeah. <laughs> not a year ago, rather. You know, yeah, yeah. longer than Wait. that. But my point being that this should be something that you have after your palate's developed. Yeah, I like being able to pick the bourbon notes out of it and then kind of find out what the cognac did to it it's very tobacco-y it is it's yeah very tobacco-y i think i like it better than you you two do but not not by a whole lot <laughs> i mean it's i think in terms i think perry dislikes it the most i'm right next to him and then you're right behind which is fine it's divisive maybe i just like cognac and i need to go get a bottle who knows i mean it's it's sweeter, and I, I like some of the sweeter bourbons. I tend to lean like super sweet, kind of like the Angel's Envy rye, mm-hmm. or super really dark. like dark and savory, like George, George C. Stag territory. Yeah, yeah. Man. yeah I, I just don't. don't I, I, I don't know about it. It's like a chewing tobacco in my mouth. See, I don't, I've never chewed tobacco before, but well, I've, I mean, I've smoked smelled it. Yeah, even if you smell have smelled chewing tobacco, yeah, that's what it kind of. I mean, I smoke cigars. Yeah, I kind of I mean, feel. I kind of wonder how this would pair with a cigar. Like, would it cancel out? Would the cigar cancel out some of the tobacco notes that I was getting? Or, I think this would, ex- like, heighten the cigar so much that I'd be like, "Wow, this is just I can't too do much. either of these." Yeah, I can't yeah. do it, any any of these. Like, I don't think it would pair very well. It would almost be like I was having three cigars at once. It's like how you don't pair a sweet wine with a sweet dish. Mm-hmm. You know, because it just winds up being too sweet. Yeah. So what do we got now? 
Well, like I said, it was a three-pack, so we're going to try the Sherry, because I wanted to kind of compare it, at least mentally, to the uh, Revival that came out this year, um, which that one, I think, was a 12 to 15 finish in Oloroso Sherry casks. This one, they said, is about a nine. I really do like that Wild Turkey Revival, though. I do, too. It's I really liked it, and it seemed like for a lot of people, it was growing on them. It was um, something I really liked from the get-go. Yeah. I think I like even told you guys, I was like, oh, we've been drinking recently. And for like a month in a row, it was just a more Turkey revival. revival. Yeah. All right. Funk. I'm getting like black pepper on the nose. This seems like it's a lot more sherry forward than the revival. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I thought that the, the revival actually had some really good bourbon notes to it. Yeah, I did. And it might be because... You know, Kirk kind of said this earlier. We're kind of looking forward to picking out the darker notes, the the wood and that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. that extra age that it has being 12 to 15 kind yeah. of stands out a little bit more. Mm. The palate is raisins. <laughs> Straight raisins. I get raisins on the nose. I totally get raisin on the nose. The palate is a raisin. <laughs> it's definitely a raisin. Thank you. <laughs> It's like a honey-covered raisin. Mm-hmm. Because the mouthfeel is really thick. A date. It's yes. a date. It's a it's a date. It's so thick. And like, yeah. I mean, it's like I just took a spoonful of honey and ate it. Yeah, there's not many 90-proofers, and I'm like, this needs some water in it. How, how, how does this happen? This is weird. Yeah. This is very it's like this odd. Should, it, it shouldn't be... This shouldn't have finished the way that it did. It should have been lighter. It should have had, you know, a little bit less body to it than it does. Here's the weird thing, though. I don't hate it. No, I kind of like it. I really don't mind it. it. It's not my favorite thing, but it's... It's not what I was expecting. It's definitely not what I was expecting. But it's not terrible. It's, it's pretty good. I'll say, like... When you when you have the Jefferson's finished stuff and you have the Wild Turkey Revival, you get hints of what it's finished in. If you're yeah. trying to introduce somebody to like what finishing can really really do to a whiskey, this is kind of like a volatile change to something. Yeah. So if you this if, is... if you want like more than just a hint of it, this this might be for you. Yeah, to me this is like they put whiskey into the barrel they took it out of the barrel or whatever they aged it in sorry and then was you were like wow i just had what was in the barrel yeah what what i finished it in completely this is weird <laughs> it's so odd it's not that this is an instance of like whether or not finishing has gone has been right or wrong yeah but mm-hmm. it's just it's almost like it's over finished. I put some water in it. It actually did something kind of interesting to it. Just the nose even. It brought out some of the bitterness in it, but almost like kind of a dark chocolate bitterness. And it smells a little bit more green. Like there's yeah. some more like herbal notes to it as well. Mm-hmm. And the taste kind of reflects it as well. There's a lot more of the bitterness on the taste though. 
That is so weird. It's really strange because, like, I was, I, I never would think to put water in a 90 proof bourbon ever. But with the finishing, like, maybe uh, that's something you need to experiment with is putting a little extra water in there. Because that did change how I, how I felt about it. I feel like I would enjoy that way much more than, than yeah, without water. I don't think I would pick up a full bottle of, of this either. But they're definitely doing something completely different. Like I've had the Bell Mead and the Bell Mead Cast Strength, and you know I think the Bell Mead, the standard offering is, you know, it's pretty good. It's nothing spectacular. The Cast Strength is absolutely wonderful, mm. and I think some of the, like the viscosity that I get from both of these kind of comes from the Bell Mead having just like the Cast Strength having such a honey quality to it. Bell Mead honey. Yeah, that's what I figured this would be like. Like if if. Because I've not had Bellmead honey. No. But I, I would imagine that it tastes like this. I could definitely so see weird. that. So weird, dude. If you had blinded me with this, I would have said it was some kind of honey barrel finished. It's. Really, I don't know. It's really different. I don't know. I want to ask, too, just so we can wrap things up before we get into the review. Overall, just what are your all's feelings on barrel finished products? or just finished products in general, would you recommend them to people? And if so, who in particular would you recommend them to? I think I would recommend them to someone, but I would not say if you're just... I wouldn't recommend it to a beginner or somebody just getting into bourbon, just trying something that's bourbon uh, because it's just going to change your overall perception of it. Like You're going to taste that and be like, Oh, that's what bourbon is, you know? I think it's kind of like when you first meet someone, the first impressions is like sometimes the, like what determines how you feel about the person. I feel like that's kind of how it is with bourbon. So I would recommend this to a bourbon drinker that knows the qualities of bourbon, has really kind of, not has like a well-developed, like a super-developed palate that like can pick everything out, but just somebody that's, Aware, knows of it, and a bourbon knows the characteristics of it, and then would be wanting to try something new, sure. kind of branch out to be like, yeah. hey, what else does this, uh, you know, bourbon community, this yeah. industry offer? I gotcha. I think that's where I'm kind of at. I think I would offer it to a very specific, like, two groups of people. People that don't really like cast strength, but have a good developed palate. Sure. Because in the, the cast strength is like, you know, kind of, kind of like we mentioned, it's getting in that George T. Stagg territory. I like the dark notes, the extra wood, like the the bite. I want to make sure it's non-chill filtered, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then I would also recommend it for people that are trying to bridge that gap between wine and that being their favorite thing, but them kind of getting into bourbon. Like I remember listening to the the old Carter episode and him being just super into wine. And people like that, I would really recommend them getting into something like this to try it because it's going to be a blend of two qualities they really like. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would feel if I was a wine drinker and then transitioned and was like, oh, let me try this. I don't know if I would like it. Well, but I think that it would be a good way to start that transition. Mm-hmm. I think that because... 
maybe it, I, I mean i said it earlier your palate's not accustomed to bourbon yeah but it's accustomed to wine so you're gonna have something that helps you bridge that gap sure. into maybe liking bourbon if you it, it doesn't have to be that you like it it's just maybe something that's approachable say maybe you just go to a party and it's you know bourbon heavy you want to be a part of it but you don't necessarily want to drink the bourbon mm-hmm. there's a wine finished bourbon or you bring a wine finished bourbon and that's what you you have to be a kind of a part of the yeah the group i think that that's an okay way to to go about I, yeah, it as well i could see that especially with the proof of wine being lower you could probably throw some like ice cubes into the sherry finished bell mead and be just fine mm-hmm. i mean you'd probably taste something completely different every five minutes but <laughs> it, you'd be fine and it would be kind of a good introductory t- for you and at that point you'd almost be getting wine with bourbon notes just at the proof but yeah i i think that finishing products has its place in the industry i don't think that it's something that should be looked down upon necessarily <laughs> but i also think that we have to be a little bit more diligent in the way that we talk about it in the way that we present it or the way that the industry presents it, rather. I don't think that it's enough just to say, hey, it's bourbon. It should say, it's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey finished in port barrels, or whatever. I think that's the appropriate way of going about it. And I think that most people are doing that, but for those that aren't, you're doing everybody else a disservice. You know what I mean? And you you have to keep in mind your consumer, in making sure that they are well informed and know what they're getting into. So that's. I feel like the only exception to that would be double oaked because everybody kind of knows what that is. I think that's fair. Yeah. And I think that's totally fair, actually. There's plenty of bourbon drinkers that they'll pick up double oaked and say, oh, well, like Woodford double oaked is, is in my opinion, better than the single just because it's adding more oak flavor. But as soon as you start finishing in something other than just. Oak barrel. More barrels. <coughs> you know, more oak barrels that don't have something finished in it. It does get kind of, it's in a funny area. Yeah. That is, it. would you consider double oaked? Like, it's finished. finished. Yeah. It's, it's finished, finished but yeah. would you consider it bourbon? Kind of how we were describing. No, it's bourbon finished in something else. Okay. I think that that is the, that's the blurred line between the two bits, is that it has it's it's so weird to me because it has both of those qualities. It's a bourbon that's aged in new charred oak barrels. And it's finished in something, but what it's finished in is also new charred oak barrels. So So is it still bourbon? I don't know. That that's the it's one like bit double, yeah. that really throws me off. It's like double oaked is <laughs> the outlier. Of finished bourbons. Well, I think it is. Yeah. I absolutely think it is. Isn't that the whole, like, gimmick behind the 1910 is to be able to still call it bourbon? They had to put it back into new oak Mm -hmm. barrels. So, And then you look at every other label, and some of them will say it's finished in a second oak barrel. still just says double oaked in big text. That's the one that confuses me. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's fair. I don't know. But double oaked is good. I like it. Same. I do as well. There's Agreed. not been many I that I have well. uh, turned my nose up at. Double, double oaked? Not so much. Well, it's sitting on the table. We should have had some, but maybe that'll be what we finish off with. Anyway. This is yeah, so, interesting. Well, uh, um, just, to, just to wrap things up, that was our conversation on 
finishing bourbons and ryes in other barrels or casks. If you like finished whiskeys, let us know. If you don't, uh, as well, perfectly fine. At My Bourbon Pod is where you can find us on social media. I'd love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, if you like this, maybe we'll do some more finished products in the future. Mm-hmm. Perry, well. I hate to interrupt, but is this a swan, Michael Hess? That very well might be a swan in the Willet logo. Whew. Do you have a new favorite glass in the in the Pear Bear household? Absolutely. Well, I have, I'm drinking out of my new favorite glass as well. Oh, it, it says has. Perry Pour on it. Look at that. <laughs> Big shout out to my buddy Travis Gintz for making this glass happen. That's so, cool. Anyway. As I said, that does it for our conversation on finished products, but we are not quite finished yet. We still have our review of the episode. This is legend. Two true legends, one truly unique bourbon. It is a collaboration between Fred No and Shinji Fukuyo. I probably butchered that. I apologize. But it sounded pretty good. It's a mix of not a mix, but it takes two different master distillers. Um, one from Jim Beam, Fred No, of course. And excuse me, actually not another master distiller. Um, it says it was blended and refined by Chief Blender, Shinji Fukuyo. So, apologize for that. Um, but it is Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, partially finished in wine and sherry casks. Partially finished is a really interesting way of phrasing that, I Does would that mean say. that, uh... It was... The only thing I could think of is if they sent half the barrels over, he finished them how he liked, and then that's totally here, possible. We had unfinished product that got blended in with yeah. those finished barrels. I honestly have no idea. Uh, yeah, I would like to me. know what exactly happened. Uh, ninety-four proof. Every sip of legend is worth savoring and sharing. Kurt, how do you feel about the packaging of this one? I actually think it's pretty nice. I like the bottle. Yeah. I like some of the aspects of the the design. I think so too. But I think overall, I'm like, I I think that like the actual design of it is just kind of weird. Like there's not a whole lot of clarity yeah. to it. I would I say. I think the bottle is very nice. It's very well. Yeah. Designed. It feels like very um, significant in in the hand. Yeah. Um. I think the layout of the copy i know this is like getting into like graphic design this is why like, i asked you yeah though. I, yeah i know um i will say the swash like the stroke seems a little abrupt to me um i think that was intentional though i think that that was supposed to mirror japanese printmaking or japanese mm-hmm. um yeah and i i get you know that. you know what i mean uh-huh i just wonder if you know maybe it fit better with the text on the bottom could have um and then like the description on the back's a little hard to read yeah uh, remember folks we started the show because there were three graphic designers that liked bourbon <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> and i had a i had a apparel shop so <laughs> yes exactly. this kind of conversation comes up from time to time so <laughs> yeah. anyway but overall i think uh it's a pretty well designed uh bottle yeah um there's a few things that i would be be like, well, maybe you try this rather than that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the layout of the type, but overall, I think it's nice. And like I said, I think I like the shape of the bottle better than I do the actual packaging of it. Or you know the, the, I agree. I like the shape of the bottle for a specific reason. It's a blend of like Kentucky bourbon 
And have you ever seen Habiki? Yes, yeah, that's exactly what it is. They've got the stout cork up at the top, like the uh-huh. thicker cork, and then they've got the skinny neck into the wide that's body. That's exactly what they went for mixed with, with it. almost like a Russell's bottle. So they've they've literally blended the bottle shape. Look at you, yeah. Swan. Look at you. I may have You've dropped really, out of graphic design, but I still got something. You've really <laughs> spread your wings and flown right into the sun. You got yeah, way too the close. bottle is is really cool. What do you guys think about the nose? It's nutty. It's nutty, and it kind of reminds me of buttered popcorn. Yes, yes, it does. It's very buttery Mm -hmm. on the nose. Very buttery. I'm getting like a a cherry blossom. I'm definitely picking up like the the wine from the finish, for sure. Going back to the Bell Mead, this is how you do something a little more subtly. Yeah, more nuanced. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and I think with us having a palate that's kind of gone past that, it's it's nice to have something subtle as to where when I started, I have trouble picking up notes of things. I just this just smells like bourbon. So now that I'm able to hunt for the notes, this is great. Maybe with the Bell Mead, I would have appreciated it more when I first started. Now to think about it, because I couldn't pick up any notes. Other yeah, than just bourbon. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. This is so cool. Just in the sense, like, on the top it says Kentucky, Japan. It's so much, like, back and forth. And then... Did you open the... Did you take the cork out? No. Take the cork out and turn it upside down. Two legends, one bourbon. That's So cool. it's more than just the top message. Yeah, like, it's, it's more just... than the top message. And then also even on the left side of the bottle, it says a bold Kentucky bourbon by Master's Distiller Fred No. And then you go to the next side of the bottle and it says blended and refined by Cheap Blender. Yeah. But I'm still kind of getting like a little bit of a honey note in there too. Yeah. Which is interesting. This is a very different nose. I came in expecting just because I've, I've had Japanese whiskey one time. And I wasn't a huge fan. This is soft. This is actually pretty special. Oh like yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. something I can definitely sink my teeth into. Huh. Well, having done just that, hmm. I get the bourbon on the front of the palate. You know what's weird is I'm very much getting that buttered popcorn flavor that I was picking up on the nose. Mm-hmm. Huh. There is a lot of corn up front. A there lot is, yeah. of corn on the front of the palate. I do kind of... The finish is not super long, but I do like it. No, I don't I don't mind it. This is the, the interesting... This is one of the more interesting ways that a finish can be presented to me. In that it takes what you are getting on the palate and expands on it. It doesn't do it... A whole lot, but it does it enough to where I still find the the finish interesting. I really enjoy the finish of it. Do you? Yeah, I think that's where I'm getting the influence of the wine and the like sherry. By the way, I'm picking up more of that cherry on the nose that you were finding. Yeah, yeah. It's like a cherry blossom. Yeah, uh, it's very of a floral. It's but very light. Yeah, I think what why it's so light is because of the the buttered popcorn that I'm yeah I get the buttered popcorn I get a lot of like honey 
Oh, yeah. And uh, the cherry is kind of taking a backseat to the honey, but it's there. Why See, I'm I, not picking up on the honey. I am getting so much corn on the palate. What's funny is that it started out for me on the front end. In my second sip, it started moving towards the middle. Mm-hmm. And more so into the finish as well. But the finish really is being overtaken by those finished notes. So the, the, the wine and the sherry. Do you feel like this still holds enough of the beam profile? Or have they no. just done Mm-mm. something completely no. different? No, I would not know that this was Jim Beam this, distillate by any means. to me, has more of a Heaven Hill feel to I it. I totally agree with that. Than Jim Beam. And, yep. I, don't, and I think it's... A hundred percent a product of the finishing and not the base product. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Honestly though, I don't know if this really tastes like it's been finished. I think that it has aspects of it, but I still find subtle red wine kind of flavors in bourbons from time to time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I not that it's these big, bold, robust grape flavors that you get in a cab or something like that. But I still do find that oakiness, the raisin that we're talking about too in bourbons. And I think that all of that is present without it feeling like it's finished. Uh, what's the proof on this? 94. I think, I think the reason that I, I really do actually enjoy this. I can even self, see myself getting a bottle. I think the thing that I like about it is, is it's 94 proof, but it has the like robust flavors of a barrel proof, which is nice because usually I reach for the barrel proof because the 90 ish area just for me doesn't seem to have quite the amount of oomph for me as far as flavor. So the, the finishing, I think if anything, just gave it a more robust flavor, even if that flavor is still kind of a normal ish bourbon profile maybe yeah. just with some extra you know wine in there somewhere yeah this is really making me think i'm just yeah i don't know how i feel about it on uh, i really like the nose with the buttered popcorn more of i was getting more of a like a floral um note on it but then the palate happened and that's where i started to realize some of that the bourbon aspects and the spice and the punch and, you know, like you were kind of speaking of. Mm-hmm. Um, but the finish has an odd finish at the end, like at the very end. Is that just me? Did you get that? No, I know what you mean. It's a little, it's a little bitter. bit bitter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is going to be a really interesting review for us. And I feel like we're going to kind of like... It's going to go one of two ways. We're either all going to be on the exact same page or we're going to be wildly off mm-hmm. <laughs> from each other. Oh, man. Well, anyway, as we get into this, uh, we have a review system of nose, palette, finish, and price. Each category is out of five, and we tally everything up for a total out of 20. Who wants to go first on this one? Um. So for the nose... I think I'm going to give it a three. Um, I just, I really, there was something I really enjoyed about the nose, and I believe it was the floral note that I was getting, and a hint of that buttered popcorn. I wasn't, I felt like that was a nice kind of compliment to it. Yeah. Um, 
So I think that's, I'm going to give it a three. You know what? I, I Sorry to interject, but I just figured out what the, the buttered, excuse me, the buttered popcorn flavor was on the palate that I'm finding. Is it the corn that you were talking about? No. Hmm. It's a, it's a jelly bean version of buttered popcorn. <laughs> yeah. It tastes artificial. That's so bizarre. Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, uh, Swan. I actually really liked it. I gave it a four. Mm. I thought it was really good. I, I like the the, and I think it may just because I like the smell of buttered popcorn. Like, if you go into a movie theater, I'm never like super excited to get kernels stuck in my teeth or anything. But you walk <laughs> in, you're like, this is a movie theater. Yeah. Like, I, I really liked it, so I gave it a, a four. You know what's funny is I'm right between the two of y'all. I gave it a three. Oh wait, no, you gave it a three as well. I gave it a three too. Uh, no, yeah, sorry, no. I gave it a three. Yeah. I think that it's good, not great. It's got things that I enjoy, but I'm not over the moon about it by any means. The palette was my highest score. Well, tied for my highest score at a 3.5. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I thought the palette was where a lot of the punch for this one came from. Like, it had a whole lot of flavor to it. And I've I find myself thinking about that more than I do anything else on this, but yeah, three point five. I'm gonna go with the palette a three again. Yeah. Um, and it's for I had all of those aspects, and had more of the punch, more of the bourbon, uh, spice and caramel. But then there was something just like bitter about it that I didn't really enjoy. I couldn't decipher what that was. Uh, it might have been the the finished, the finishing of the product, but I I still liked it. It's just it just is. This has been a really tough bourbon. I mean, like finished. Yeah, it's okay um, to call it bourbon. Yeah, bourbon that it's puzzling me. It really is. Yeah, I gave it a three and a half. I I liked it. I think I would like it better at a cast strength. Or like a or higher, even a hundred proof, or even a hundred proof, just a little bit more proof, just because I feel like if it was even just a little bit more like proof heavy, maybe I wouldn't have that corn be so forward. Maybe it would be a little bit more oak that was kind of taking that in. So then I would have the kind of the sweetness from the wine finish mixing with yeah. the oak instead of just the corn because there's some bourbons that I, I have the corn forwardness and I immediately think this is just super high corn and maybe a little young. Uh-huh. And then there's others where, you know, like even in like mellow corn where it's cheaper. Yeah. But it's, it's corn forward and I don't mind it at all. Um, so I, I gave it a three and a half. It's kind of leaning towards the better, but still the middle. Yeah. What about the finish? So the finish, I gave a three and a half. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like the finish just as much as the palette. It's not super long, but it still has a good amount of flavor to it. And I like the, and you've mentioned this before, it's not kind of like that building heat to a Kentucky hug or anything, but it's got kind of that viscous, like dripping honey feel to it, which which I enjoy. So I I gave it a little extra for that. Uh, I still think the higher proof would have been something I looked for. Yeah. yeah. I uh, went with a three and a half as well. Um, that's the part that I enjoyed 
the most is that it started to get towards more of the what it was finished in a little more of the sure. that wine that cab sure. feel uh i would definitely agree with having the proof just a little higher um i think at that point it would give you more of what i was looking in a finished bourbon uh but the the finish was definitely my my favorite part of it so i gave it a three and a half the finish was my least favorite part I gave it a 2.5. Ah. I was not a very big fan of the finish. It kind of gave me a weird aftertaste, too, that I'm not really a huge fan of. And while some of the flavors were there, you know, I said originally that this was a good indicator of, you know, I'm going to like the finish. But then the more I had it, the less I felt that way in that it didn't keep going with the palate it didn't present more flavors it just hit tailed off had the weird aftertaste was done i will give you that a little bit like not i don't know if you necessarily call it an aftertaste because i usually get that right after the finish Uh kind of stops but like after not having a taste of it for a while it's almost kind of like a medicinal quality it's not super strong, but it's there. Because, you know, like I mentioned, it's with the finish, it's kind of viscous, so it's still sitting in my throat a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And that's... I, I thought that it was kind yeah. of a blend. It was blending from the from the palate to the finish. That's kind of how I yeah. took it, was that I the palate that. started to, like, overpower that finish. Yeah, I could see that. What's but, the price on this? This is $35 a bottle. I gave the price a 3.5. I think that it has a lot to offer that is not necessarily... This is very unique for a bourbon in this price range. The packaging is beautiful, as we were saying. It's definitely a... a, a, Not necessarily once in a lifetime, but it's limited, so there's going to be some of that aspect to it. You know, There are so many limited products that you can get for two or three times the price... And maybe not be this good. I'm not raving about this by any means. If there was a little bit more to it overall, I could see myself bumping it up in price. But I think that it's it's a 3.5 for me. And so overall, I gave it a 12.5 out of 20. I think I'm going to go with a 4. And I, I almost ventured to say a 4.5. I know that's like, you know pretty crazy wow that's high yeah yeah (laughs) and i almost did that and i was like no that the only reason i say that though is so i'm gonna give it a four but the reason i say that it's such a good price is just the fact that name another product that you'd be able to have a master distiller create the product and then have it mixed and collaborated with another uh oh yeah you know oh yeah another master of the work and all the way in Japan and like cross, you know, cross the entire world for it to be finished, how one person saw it. And I think that's why I think it's so cool is that there's no other product that you're going to be able to find. And the fact that it's only 35 bucks to me is a steal just in the sense of getting something so unique, something that's so out of the box 
that you're not going to have. Um, so I think that's why I gave it a four. I gave it a 4.5. Wow. Yeah. The only reason I did it is because like, I know that with the Bell Mead, I got three three seven fives for 100 bucks. That's $33 a piece pretty much. About the same price as this. Mm-hmm. I like this a whole lot more. I mean, it's 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 good. And then also, a lot of the times that I'm doing these reviews, I kind of base it off other stuff. And like pretty much every time we do a review, it's like, oh, that was really good. It was sixty bucks, but Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond is like twelve dollars, and you're mm-hmm. immediately like, oh, I should take a tick off my my price point that I just put up there because comparing those two is nuts. Well, then, like you said, you go to compare this to anything else finished exactly like this, and you're like, oh, there is nothing like this. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing like it, and you're going to be, if there is something like it, you're spending 60 to $85, probably. Yeah, like, I could have easily seen them just with the way this bottle looks, and, you know, the limited availability saying, it's 80 bucks, mm-hmm. and I'm sure one of us are... You know, all of us would have gone in to get at least one bottle of it just to try it. And they didn't. They put it out. I think that's remarkable. So it's getting yeah. my highest out of the four categories for price. I think yeah. that's fair. I, I just... Um, that was the same for me. I didn't. I just didn't see the quality of it, I guess, in regards to everything else that was surrounding it. It's, again, it's not bad by any means. It's just the way that I'm seeing the, you know, how it how it is. Yeah, no, kind of face that's value. That's perfectly fine. I think I like it more than you too, so that's that's kind of playing into it. Yeah, because if I was if I found another bottle of this, I'm probably gonna pick it up. Yeah, you're probably sure. not gonna go pick up a second bottle because you've already got one. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine. It's it's meant to be divisive, just like all the Bell Mies that we yeah, tried sure. and everything mm-hmm. else. So it's. Yeah. So. I think I definitely would pick one up. Yeah, for thirty five. Yeah, I think that's for thirty five dollars. I would. Fair. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it for uh, the review. We got one segment left before we get out of here, and that's tips and bits. So, guys, what tips and bits do you have this week? You got any? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, <laughs> whoops. Swan was like, uh, freeze, freeze. I'm froze. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, my tips and bits is going to be Keeneland Spring Meat. Yeah, heck yes. Yes. Heck yes. Uh, the Keeneland Spring Meet opens on April 4th through the 27th. Uh, our big campaign is see you at the races. And uh, all around town, you'd be able to see like the Keeneland saddle flags, uh, saddle towel flags, and uh, just really like bringing the community together. Yeah, you guys uh, have done really well with the branding this year. Yeah, we've, we've really tried, uh, tried hard to do that and bring the community back into it. Yeah. Um, and just really get them excited for the races and you know I'm excited. Yeah, in in terms of Lexington and 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 the bluegrass you always you know the next time you might see somebody is like, "Oh, I'll see you at the races" or you know, something like that that cuz that's the next time I'm probably going to see you or something that, of that matter. Right. And it's such right. a Kentucky aspect and uh horses and and it ties in with bourbon too. Um so definitely Come out to the spring meet. Yeah. And also, that's a little bit of a plug because I work there. That's no, all good. <laughs> it's all good. All right. Got one now. I've been listening to even more music than last <laughs> time around. There's this kid I found. He's 18. He has a YouTube channel. And there's kind of a stigma behind people that just 
grow their following on YouTube, but... Cough, cough, Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah. This kid is something special, man. I, it's insane how talented he is. Like, the stuff he puts out compared to the album he just put out is completely different. His name's Quadeca. Mm. Yeah, he's... um He just put out an album, and he typically does, like, those, like... You can tell he's aiming for a radio hit, and then he put out this new album where it's kind of like that atmospheric, dreamy type rap and stuff. And he does this thing on YouTube where he does styles of rap, and he'll go through literally a hundred artists and mimic Dang. them. And so he'll do, you know, Jay-Z, he'll do huh. Kendrick, he'll do all the big ones and even the small ones. And then you listen to his album, and you're like, he just did the styles of rap thing in the album. So at one point I'm like, that sounds like Childish Gambino. Oh, he's doing the logic now. Like yeah. he just switches oh, back and forth. That's so cool. But the thing is, is it's seamless and it doesn't feel like it's forced. Like you can tell he's just doing that styles of rap thing in this. It's mm. pretty cool. He's got a new <laughs> album out called Voice Memos. It's worth listening to. Awesome. Yeah. I've been listening to a very funny podcast called The Grub. Uh, it's comedians. They do sketch comedy basically throughout. It's just ridiculous, stupid, funny nonsense that yeah. I enjoy. And I have to try not to listen to it at work because I wind up just laughing <laughs> while I'm listening to it. Um, that's really about it for me. I had, I have been kind of slammed with work, so I haven't been getting to enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, that's why my tips and bits was Keeneland. It was work. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Railbird Festival uh, come out. Oh, (laughs) heck yes. That does it for us this week. Thank you all so much again for hanging out with us. If people want to find you all on social media, Curtis and Swan, where can they do that? On Instagram, you can find me at KurtCon and on Twitter, Kurt underscore Con 15. And I'm at the Bourbon Finder. Yes, sir, you are. Yes. If you want to follow me personally, I am at P Ritter1492. If you would like to follow the show, we are no longer at my vodka pod. We are back to at my bourbon pod. Um, it was a very successful April Fool's Day joke, if I do say so myself. But anyway. Perry's laughing at himself. It's awesome. I, He's I like, had this idea. Man, I'm good. I had the idea at like 10 o'clock last night, and I was like, oh, I gotta do it. And I mocked it up real quick at work, and I just threw it up, and people have lost their mind. It was great. It was fantastic. So anyway, uh, at My Bourbon Pod, of course, is where you can find us. If you want to send in a question or a comment, you can use this My Bourbon Shop at gmail.com. Give us a five-star rate and review on the old iTunes or wherever you listen. Tell your friends about the show if you haven't done that yet. Oh, gosh, what else? Bourbonshop.threadless.com is where you can find all of our apparel and merch. And then the big one, of course, is patreon.com slash mybourbonpodcast. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of the show. We have a really fun, really cool little community. Once we hit our next goal of $250 a month, we are going to start doing uh, pretty regular Google Hangouts uh, with our listeners, as well as, I believe doing live streams for the Patreon members where you get to see us recording pretty much every episode. So more info on that to come. Again, patreon.com slash mybourbonpodcast. That about does it for us this week. I'll see you guys on Friday and Saturday for the meetup and the live show. I'm so freaking excited for this. I can't believe that it's already here. And then again next week for another brand new episode. But until then, I'm Perry. I'm Curtis. And I'm Swan. 
and this is my bourbon podcast. 